Welcome everyone to that time we woke up on a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. Also called the Overmongcast. My name is Sam, and on this episode, I hesitate to say we, everyone else, read JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, chapters 26 through 44, the end of part one, Phantom Blood. You know, part I really like. But I don't get to be in this episode. I didn't go on vacation. <laughs> anyway, join Matt, Jake, and Jay for this bizarre adventure. And even if it takes a hundred years, I will have my revenge. Hello, everyone, to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. This week we are sans a Sam. Uh, he had to go off and uh, do some uh, ascetic training in uh, India, I believe. This week for you, we have uh, part two of part one of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, our second part of the series. Good thing that won't get confusing. Uh, <laughs> really self-explanatory. I'm sure there are no further parts and no weirder amounts of numbering that could confuse us at all. It's fine. Uh, th- th- this this won't be a problem at all. We've already done a uh, part on JoJo's, you know, so our familiarity of the uh, series, I don't believe is uh, changed for any of us. I believe the I had mentioned earlier, I had watched some of the JoJo's anime. I had not reached where we read previously. So this entire section was entirely new for me. Mm, yeah, my experience was up to part four. Still haven't seen Venta Oreo. It, actually, though, one thing I did uh, realize, it, this is the first time I've actually read JoJo's, and it is a different experience. It is uh, equally incomprehensible, but it's a different experience to read it as opposed to watch it. And uh, Jay, what's uh, why don't you remind everyone about your familiarity with JoJo's? Sure. So my familiarity with JoJo's, I was first initiated... Um, Back in undergrad, kind of somewhat against my will, but also willing. <laughs> it was weird. Um, so <laughs> kind of fitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally, I was recommended by several um, anime friends that I had, and they were like, you really need to watch JoJo's. And they were bombarding me with this every time I would run into them and start talking about things like we watch or things they were interested in. You know, and then it culminated in one night where I was, you know, kind of led into like one of um, a friend's room or whatever. And they were all watching JoJo's and they're like, yeah, you're here. You can finally watch JoJo's. And I was just no, no kidding you, like literally just I want to say forced to watch JoJo's for <laughs> several hours straight. And I still don't even know what I was watching, but it was. It was great, and I took a break from the series for a while, and I've kind of been exposed to it through that instance, but also through cultural osmosis. Cultural osmosis was like a fever dream. I still wasn't able to connect it, and I still didn't know what was going on. (laughs) So we put on the list to read, and I've read it. I recognized a lot of the parts that I um, had watched in college, so I was able to follow the plot. Still don't know what I was reading, and here we are. I'm starting to pick up that that's just the mentality you have to have. That's JoJo's for you. Yeah, no, that, 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 uh, that's what the review is for. We're going to explain what all the strange pictures were that that maybe coalesce into some kind of vague story, I think, probably. That's a lot of responsibility that I don't feel capable of. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least we're not explaining King Crimson's power. 
Uh, but yeah, we're we're not we're not quite that far yet. Where we had left off um, was halfway between the fight with Dio. A great place to leave off. That uh, I can only assume someone <laughs> who was just going off chapter titles and expected them to be reasonable arc breaks would have chosen. But here we are. <laughs> Well, it is it is actually a pretty good stopping point because uh, something that I had mentioned last time is that there's sort of something of a tone shift about halfway through our reading last time where like it has some supernatural elements to it pretty overtly and it's hammy as all hell. But the fir- the very first section of JoJo's is relatively grounded in reality. It seems like a sort of like a light fantasy esque period piece. Then it goes off the rails when, um, you know, Dio starts Dioing all over the um, manga with his vampire powers and um, pretty amped like description of Dio being Dio. That's a description <laughs> in itself. I think it's uh, summarized pretty well in a later portion by Speedwagon, who goes, it sure is weird. Before I started interacting with you two, I almost never saw supernatural things. Now it's around every corner. <laughs> uh, and indeed, uh, the uh, the last confrontation uh, we had uh, bore witness to was uh jojo facing off against the first of his like major minions then there was a little boy none of us really understood why he was there he lured them towards a river and uh standing on a on a uh a tall pillar of stone like the supervillain that he is dio announced that uh it was he who was responsible for this trap how many people have you killed to get where you are dio how many pieces of bread have you eaten in your life? What? <laughs> I I love that line because that such is a good line. It is extreme levels of ham, but at the same time, it also really goes to show how good um, uh, Araki's writing is. Because you know, if you were to stop to think about it and analyze it. That's really horrifying in a really exceptional villain line. It goes into something that, uh, again, that we had mentioned last time of like Dio seeing people as little more than livestock. You know, he he's literally comparing human beings to food. And it is an excellent bit of characterization for him and how he is just, you know, I mean, like he was he was already a bad person before anything supernatural happened. And now he's a monster even on to that brilliant characterization. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of great lines from Dio to talk about the same level of degree of depth that are really good and not completely ham. Uh. <laughs> well, about that, because uh, there, there, there is also, uh, as I mentioned, there's a bit of a demarcation point in our first section of reading. Um, and then for basically the entire this section of reading, um, like I remember last time there was a point where I said, now we're into the bizarre adventure. Um, I kind of forgot about the back half of Phantom Blood. I kind of forgot that uh, <laughs> how much of a drastic change it was over time. It gets very quintessentially JoJo's very fast. Dio becomes a cartoon supervillain. <laughs> He's like he's like like Silver Age Lex Luthor. Like he is he is mustache twirling evil for evil's sake, mm-hmm. chewing the scenery. He is great. <laughs> oh, but um, we cut off when they were like in the middle of their fight. They kind of finish their fight. Basically, Dio just gets bored of it after he freezes them with his. So he evaporates the moisture. <laughs> don't don't think about it. I learned just not to just don't. So, so no, he has a power that allows him to evaporate moisture, I guess. 
and then he takes the heat away to turn it to ice. Yep. They certainly explain this power multiple times. I don't understand what they mean by it. (laughs) So this is satire of a we're going to give a physical real world-esque explanation that is so far removed that you might as well have just said Dio has ice powers. Because if you just say Dio has ice powers, then suddenly nothing about this is weird anymore. It's the explanation that makes it weird. And there's actually a moment later that I'm going to call out uh, It is like the a, a real expression of this. I, I wish Dio was the worst example of this, like making up a science based superpower. Oh, there's a there's a better one later. Zapelli basically just becomes that character. Yeah, it, 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 it's somebody else's power, but Zapelli is the one who attributes it. Like if you had just not explained that power, it literally would have made more sense. And like that's that's like the whole point of it. Um uh, the important thing is Dio has ice powers is the important thing to know. And he is now bored of this fight and is just like, by the way, you know how I can make zombies? We are in the graveyard of knights. I am going to summon two great knights to fight you as zombies instead of me, Jojo. Well, first he summons a bunch of knights, some of whom have horned Viking helmets for uh, some reason. <laughs> look, I'm. What do you have against Vikings? Can we can we just do the audience a favor and maybe just skim over the numerous times Dio summons a bunch of zombies and then they get killed and then the real plot happens? Like, <laughs> yeah, that becomes sort of the regular rigmarole for the rest of the section. Dio summons a bunch of Junji Ito looking flesh monsters. They get creamed in one shot and then the real villains come up like. Yeah, and for this uh, part, uh, which is honestly the really one of only uh, two and a half major fights that we get in this section, because a lot of the fights are that, you know, mm-hmm. let's introduce some rabble and then immediately dispatch of them. Uh, we get Parkus and the Dark Knight Blueford. And yes, you have to say the whole thing every time. <laughs> you have to say it with dramatic voice. Indeed. Everything in JoJo's is dramatic. <laughs> Guess which one gets more characterization? Um, problem is, I think they get I think they get a lot of characterization on both ends. I think one of them gets a backstory. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the better way of putting it is like, wh- which one is the sympathetic character? Which one gets more uh, pathos, I think, is a better way of perhaps of putting it, because uh, we do we do spend quite a bit of time with both of them. Uh, they are, you know, they do have equal yeah. weight within the story. Unfortunately, one of them is um, the big muscle-bound knight who is stronger than all other knights, and then the other one is the knight who has lots and lots of powers that do not need to be explained. Oh, wait. <laughs> but we're going, we're going to explain them anyway, and it will make them make significantly less sense. You will not be satisfied with the explanation, but we will move on without you because we do not care. <laughs> Uh, uh, I believe it was our uh, power scaling episode. I, I I realized that I had been calling JoJo's a parody as opposed to a satire. Strictly speaking, it's a satire. But th- this sort of nonsense is where I think I made that conflation mistake in my head because uh, it gets wacky. <laughs> this um, fight might be a parody or Araki does not care. <laughs> <laughs> Neither or, or a combination of both. 
to actually uh, address that fight, because it's like in one sense, the way it's actually paced out is is very, very good. It's really solid fight fundamentals. You know, you get the establishment of uh, the Dark Knight Blueford's powers. Jojo tries to counter them, but it sets him at a disadvantage. But he's able to turn that disadvantage into an advantage. Like the ebb and flow of the fight is mm-hmm. uh, very well done. Uh, his powers is, is he can move his hair. It's prehensile, I guess. Also, uh, like the fight starts with a bunch of characters going like, oh, man, the, those knights, any boy from England would know the and I'm like, but Jonathan Joestar is also from whatever. <laughs> just don't don't think about it. It's just like, these legendary knights fought for the Queen Mary against her evil sister, Elizabeth. Yes. For Mary Stewart. I, I, yeah. I didn't bother to look up how much of this was fictionalized, whether it was between 90 and 95 percent. I have no idea. Oh, you, you don't believe that they're all Knights of England had the trial of 77 rings from which you <laughs> fought 77 people on a mountain, gaining a ring from each of them until you were covered in so many rings you could barely move. I believe it. Sure. We're suspending all belief here. Yeah, suspension of disbelief is the name of the game and, well, anime and manga in general. So much less taxing on the brain. (laughs) Like, really? I I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, JoJo's, as we've mentioned, is a well-written series. If you pay attention to the parts that aren't a joke then, you know, there is some really good stuff there. You know, there is also the let's enjoy the roller coaster ride because, oh, no, Jojo's at a disadvantage because he had to go into the river and there is no air underwater. But wait, there is air underwater. And Jojo uses that to use the power of Hamon in the river. And the, the entire reason why the river is a thing is because when we're first introduced to the two knights, the Dark Knight Blueford, his like great feat of strength was he swam across a river in full armor to do battle. Cool. <laughs> Probably didn't have to do that, but OK. And also he had prehensile hair, but that is a surprise you find out midway through the fight. They tease it like it's like some kind of like either zombie unique or minor ability. But then later on, it becomes his main ability that he apparently had all along. And they double down on it's a zombie power because they're like, wait, no, human hair can't do that. He's like, huh, when I revived, my hair must have gained prehensile powers of, do you know this one rare plant with roots that can retract very quickly? My hair is basically that. <laughs> well, that's science, so that makes sense. And I'm like, no, no, I- <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Why is this hair plant? (laughs) They have a they have a diagram and everything. Like it's it's so dialed up to eleven. This is and I I laughed so hard. I don't think the anime had the the diagram of the plant, but it really does add to the absurdity of it all. Like 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 showing the the uh the cell walls in the in the plant's uh stem is going to make this make any more sense. Of course it doesn't. But basically, during this fight, Jojo and the Dark Knight Blueford have been quipping back and forth, and he is slowly realizing the humanity still within this zombie, because what is being awoken is the honor and knightly passion for battle. Jojo is able to, uh, uh, the Dark Knight Blueford's prehensile hair binds him to a tree so he can't use his arms to to punch, and therefore it seems he can't transfer Hamon, but... (gasps) 
Jojo has tree trunk like legs that can also transfer Hamon. He's able to kick uh, the Dark Knight Blueford's sword and uh, transfer Hamon through that into his arm and uh, take his arm off. And as the Dark Knight Blueford is dying, he's just like, I went easy on you because I wanted to. I realized I wanted to die a man. And this was a true man's battle. Mano a mano, not with weird yeah. demon powers. And I'm like, That's such a cop out. Oh, my gosh. I believe it. Whatever. But they're, they're just <laughs> super bro it up right now. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> I will now rename my blade, which was the mighty blade luck. In honor of you, Jojo, I shall call it Pluck. I will not explain what I mean by this. And spoiler alert, it will it never come up. Anything. Or, it will never come up or become relevant. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. They acknowledge later on that it is the blade of pluck and luck. It, that doesn't mean anything. As I said, it never becomes relevant. <laughs> it never becomes relevant. It's it's the so sword absurd. comes up again, but it does not matter that it was renamed. <laughs> But they, but they make sure that you know it. It, it is still renamed. Oh. Uh, we're, we're still acknowledging that, like it means something. It just doesn't. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically the battle of Joe, Joe, uh, Jonathan Joestar versus the Dark Knight Blueford. And uh, I, I just have one question for you, Jacob. Now that uh-huh. we're at the end of this fight, how uh, how do you feel about the fact that what you read was basically a record of Ragnarok fight? <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned that there is there is a self-awareness to this that is uh, I feel eh, now I I do see the comparison. Now, I think self-awareness is the right thing because uh, like Jojo's record of Ragnarok to some extent knows how absurd it is, but it expects a level of investment from the audience that I don't think it earns. Okay. Uh, whereas, I mean, like the the absurdity of JoJo's is like it, it sets itself up as a normal story and then goes into left field. I did see that there is perhaps some inspiration on Record of Ragnarok's part of uh, something like this. The fight is also much better paced in JoJo's that because like because like the bones of the fight are really good, as I mentioned, the the ebb and flow of the fight. It's just like, yeah. you know, let's 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 show the 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 powers and make them as idiotically absurd as possible is really where JoJo's goes off the rails. And I think, yeah, now now that I'm saying that, I think that's the big difference. Yeah, JoJo's just says color and then flash of light and then shows someone being ripped in half. Mm. Like, especially this part of JoJo's. I, I could oh. not tell you any of jo- uh, Hamon techniques. They are all make your fist glow. <laughs> the fight fundamentals being there, I think, is the important part, because that was that to me was the, the the big thing missing out of Record of Ragnarok. The the ebb and flow the pacing of the fights just doesn't work i was just pointing out the similarities there because this is yeah no that is (laughs) that is yeah and and i mean not for nothing to a large extent i think i think i think what i'm saying is i feel that jojo's does what record of ragnarok tried but better i actually did notice it too because because watching the anime i don't think that comes across nearly as much but when i was reading it i did actually get that vibe too i'm like jojo's has like uh i don't know if the anime trimmed down on this it has real bad like speech bubble explain exactly what's happening 
Like that happens a lot. Because <laughs> like there was an older Stardust Crusader anime that everyone hated because it was awful. What the anime does is it actually kind of leans into the joke. Like it knows it's a satire and it it, it leverages that because it'll have like people will stand in slow motion and give these long sentences they couldn't possibly be giving. Like like it it doubles down on yeah. the on it in this like for the sake of humor. Whereas the manga, those speech bubbles aren't like given any sarcasm they are played rather straight the satire is supposed to be the entire scene what that means is you still end up reading characters repeat themselves a lot i think the big thing is you know when you read it as a satire you you can understand that like these ridiculously long speech bubbles are a satire of that element of you know comic books at the time like i know i know in particular western comic books were lousy with that sort of thing unironically and uncritically but i do think to some extent that because it's animated it that element of the satire plays a a little bit better in the anime i think it works in the manga but not necessarily as well gotcha well anyway we gotta move on to um the second of the two are they are they brothers i think they are i think they're, they, I think they're brothers they, in arms is the idea yeah they, they grew kinda... up together at the very least yeah are we but, talking yeah all right are we talking about speedwagon and zapelli <laughs> no. no what they're definitely not brothers yeah it's just like what are you talking about no no the, no the, the dark knight blueford and tarkas Ah, I their see. backstory sure does tell us they like to work together but uh, after ah, the I Dark see. Knight Blueford's fight they proceed to not interact with each other at all other than Tark is smashing the armor after uh, the Dark Knight Blueford to establish that the redemption arc that the other guy had is not what I'm doing I'm just evil yeah I think it's a brothers in arms kind of thing yeah and once you're no longer useful to me, oh. it's like, oh, you're dead. So I, I, I understand that scene. Is what happened then Tarkus ran away and didn't want to fight Jojo? No, it's that everyone else ran away from Tarkus. Okay. But yeah, because... Um, why? Initially, like, you know, Tarkus basically uses um, the Dark Knight Blueford's now uh, empty armor as uh, a projectile weapon, because of course he did. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, my, what strength we must reposition. And then the little boy that lured them to the river in the first place, for some reason, comes back because uh, he had been telling people "Ah, there there are people rising from the dead. And and some of the people from town are like, we're going to tie you to gravestone to prove how much of a cry wolf liar you are. Yeah, they're just going to beat up Poco, this like nine year old boy. (laughs) These basically adults. Yeah, they're they're adults. They also appear to be drunk, but I mean, yeah, but like a drunk adult, that's acceptable. You know what? You're right. I I, <laughs> I didn't mean to judge, but like, yeah, what happens here is there are like three scene changes, like very quick in succession. And then magic bullshit happens and I get completely lost <laughs> because this is where we get the hang glider. <laughs> Well, no, but this is where we get the, like, smash the earth in twain and, like, did you know that the knight's graveyard was built atop a dungeon of knights that he is now raising to the surface? Quick, we need to get on top of this dungeon. Hold on, I've got a Hamon technique for this exact situation. (laughs) If you thought stands where that sort of thing came from, uh, I got some news for you. He basically spirit bombs 
And someone says life magnetism. I think Zappelli says uh, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, Zappelli is the one who calls it the life magnet. Did you know that life inherently, ha- all living things have an inherent magnetic connection? You can use this then to strengthen it, to bond other life together. And we do this to get a bunch of leaves to make a hang glider. And it's in the shape of a giant leaf. I don't understand. <laughs> I had this explained to me. <laughs> yeah, this is in the same category as uh, the Dark Knight Blueford's hair is also a plant now somehow this is this is nonsense but like uh, the dark knight blueford i can at least go like they're trying to explain a cool thing what they've done is just incredibly dumb here and again like i said i think this is where i started to to conflate uh the idea of parody and satire because this is this is just comical this is just stupid fallen leaves do not have life energy they're dead I, I uh, guess I guess Hamon treats dead things as the same as living organisms because it works on zombies, I suppose. Yeah. It, I, 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 what, I, I'm not going to pretend to try and make sense of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not supposed to is the thing. It's it's again, it's it's that sort of idea of um, let's explain how the power set works when the explanation raises more questions than it answers. They could have just been able to make a hang glider out of leaves or something that could have just been a power that they had but they had to try to explain it because that was a thing that had been done a lot at the time and still is to a large extent like my thing is they they do this like incredible magic to create this big set piece of this dungeon of ancient knights and stuff and then proceed to do absolutely nothing with it because they just go into a locked room next like <laughs> it's why it's it's extremely extra uh which is which is jojo's all the way down uh i think it i think during all of this kerfuffle is another case where we get uh, you you can see the self awareness within JoJo's because uh, Poco, uh, a good uh, British boy's name, uh, when he's <laughs> clinging to uh, JoJo's back, he makes a quip about, "My God, this guy is a <laughs> tree! What yes. the hell? How is he this big?" <laughs> It's established that JoJo is a tree. <laughs> it is that sort of um it's not like like it's pretending it's taking itself seriously, but like the the hard scowl is the joke. In this other knight's training hall, which is built into the side of a cliff that you can't get to without a leaf hang glider or being an indestructible zombie, so I don't know how effective it was at training human knights. Um, Tarkus and Jojo get locked into a a chain collar death match. They spend so long explaining this chain collar death match for me to still not fully understand. Explain something too thoroughly or too over the top, and you just like I well, can't. Well, what what's happened is they are they have these chains cut like cra- clasped around their neck. Yeah. And they, they're connected by a chain that goes up through the ceiling and through like a pulley system. Specifically so you can't just yank the chain and pull the other person over to you, Mm -hmm. but you can just pull them into the ceiling. So that caveat doesn't really seem to matter. But uh, Turok does a whole spiel about like, I have faced 48 opponents in this and slain them all. I'm like, it's a fight to the death. You can. That second part's implied. implied. (laughs) I was built exactly for this game. I'm like, buddy, that's like if you're six, four and you just challenge people to like basketball. Like, you're not really <laughs> proving anything. One of them gets a fancy name and the other one doesn't. <laughs> Which one are you supposed to be more sympathetic towards? I love how we have two separate ex- characters who explain why Jojo, at this point, we've seen him do incredible things, why he's unable to break a chain. 
They're like, oh no, the chain is made of metal. Hamon can only destroy living things. Even I, Zapelli, master of Hamon, my fist can only break bricks reasonably. I'm like, breaking bricks is still pretty good for fist, but whatever. <laughs> this door is too thick. Well, the thing that the thing that I couldn't help but think was, hey, uh, hey, Zapelli, what kind of wall is that metal door inlaid to? <laughs> But yeah, like that reads to me le- with intention because it's it's framed in such a way to give you a good look of the brick wall that they're standing in front of. Like level of video game tropiness to it. That is it really is the kind of thing that if you're trying to take it seriously, it is pain. But at least to me, it reads like you're supposed to laugh at the absurdity. We also get a little bit of extra backstory from Zapelli that uh, we learn uh, it was uh, prophesized when he would die and the time has finally come. He decides to say, I'm going to die at the end of this chapter. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Thank you for your announcement, sir. My backstory is also going to give you context for who three characters are. It won't matter. They won't, they won't actually matter, but they're going to be there. It's, it's important, but it won't matter. <laughs> Essentially, because uh, we established last time that Zapelli had been like a member of a uh, pirate crew or something, and they found the stone mask. Yeah. Was it, a, was it a designated like pirate as in they were like rebelling against the crown or were they just? I think they were smugglers. They didn't go in a great detail. He was just on a sailing Mm -hmm. ship. um, Doing nefarious things on a ship. Well, they they were shipping stuff for criminals is the implication, I suppose. Uh, That's why the mask was there. But regardless, he goes, I then went to India. I I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to figure out what was going on with that mask. And then I I went to the colonies where they do mystical crap and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, this was the, this was the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah, it 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 uh it is it leans into that hard. It is about as set it is about as culturally sensitive as an Indiana Jones movie. Which yeah. um sure. <laughs> Again, I do feel like I do feel like that that's on purpose that like it that the, the uh that the scowl that the series wears is the joke because it's pulpy. I don't yeah. I don't I'm not going to give it the benefit of the doubt that it is mocking that interpretation. I think it's just like, yeah, this crazy stuff happens in India. Like, that's the joke. Not isn't mm. it weird that we portray Indians like, like I don't think it's that forward. Considering yeah. the Chinese character we saw last time, I definitely don't think it's that forward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess I guess it's a combination of it's it's something that comes out of Japan and it might be some of the anime coloring my view on it to some extent, because the the joke being that look at this weird stuff that comes out of India, as opposed to look at how weird it is that we depict India. Either one given the manga onto itself, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah, I think it's a fair interpretation that it's basically a coin toss and it's not unreasonable to uh view it in that uncharitable sense so you guys probably know this because i have not looked this up um i try to distance myself from jojo's when i can um (laughs) as difficult as that could be so is jojo specifically specifically an 80s manga it's not like 90s trying to be 80s or was it oh no it 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 was it was like a year before dragon ball i think it was 82 
Dragon Ball itself, not DBZ, Dragon yeah, Ball. Dragon Ball specifically. Like wow. like like even before even before Dragon Ball got big and successful. It it was like a year before the original Dragon Ball. I I believe I believe it was 82 and 83 those two series. 87. Got it. Really? Yep. January wow. 1st, 1987. What 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 is it in 83? I looked something up. Oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Oh, that might be area 88. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, no, it is specifically 80s. Um, because you know, this is to some extent, you know, and you know, Dragon Ball is more like Dragon Ball is the parody, whereas JoJo's is the satire. You know, they 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 are coming at sort of like the same cultural zeitgeist from two different directions. Though uh, JoJo's did go strong into the 90s and 90s really, really hard, but uh that's that's much later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless. Uh, yeah, that's regardless. I guess why I conflated them because the JoJo's, you know, the meme image is kind of like I'm familiar more with the '90s tick. I guess. Yeah, Stardust, Stardust Crusaders, 1991. It's uh, uh, that's that's because Araki loved the '80s. In case the way he names characters isn't <laughs> to the shock of no one. So anyway, they go around India. They find out that Hamon is a magical Indian secret that uh, Zapelli basically says, hey, teach me the secret. And so then the, like typical like Asian mysticism. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> the Indian guru reads his future and goes like, oh, the future is awesome. The future. future. The future is awesome. <laughs> I just love so many. This is just the podcast at large. So many like future me. I'm, I'm just saying this was the future devil because he essentially goes, oh, yeah, I'll train you. Cool. <laughs> I see how this is going to end. I'll train you. <laughs> your, your death is awesome. You you don't want to say yes to this, but I know you're going to. For my entertainment, yes. And um, oh, yeah, and essentially what gets revealed is uh, Zapelli is destined to die. Uh, he gets trained all the way through to the final stage where um, the guru is basically just like, so I'm going to teach you this final technique that will allow you to see the future. But the problem is the second you are able to see the future, you can't change things. Are you cool with that? And he's like, well, at least I'll know when I'll die because I've been trying to find this. His explanation is because he's been working so hard to find a solution, knowing when he'll die will give him some closure. Very interesting. And he goes ahead with it and he gets the power to see the future and sees his exact death, which is how he recognizes it's going to be in this room, Um, because I think we skipped over the bit where Poco is just like, I want to prove to be a nice, strong man, because Poco has a backstory about (laughs) wanting to be a strong man and not have his sister hit him. I feel like skimming it over doesn't matter because it never really Gets yeah, resolved it, beyond it this scene. Over, yeah, no, it's skimmed over relative to the story itself. Yeah, but, uh, that was weird. My my favorite part is they force a child. To, well, no, they, no, they suggest a child they go. They, they don't force the child. The child is one of those headstrong teenager types who kind of puts well, himself where he doesn't need to be. They suggest a course of action, then regret suggesting it. And he's like, no, I'm going to be a big, strong man. And then goes in anyway. And in like my favorite panel in our reading, the second he gets through, he gets kicked <laughs> into a wall by Tara. Some way. <laughs> I mean, this is... Uh absolutely unnecessary overly wordy backstory that's not necessary i feel i feel like that's part of the satire though because yeah, no, we've had an overly wordy backstory that goes nowhere 
Yeah, because because, <laughs> again, that's a lot of the stuff I see in JoJo's is stuff that I, I mean, I know 80s American comics better than I know 80s manga just because I'm an American. You know, I like I, I, I know I know the culture I grew up in a little bit better. So it, it's stuff that I know was a uh like a, a a like silver and even into the bronze age of comics sort of thing that had been done a lot i know a lot of that stuff was heading over to japan and this is absolutely satirizing that sort of thing at the same time it's also a fairly well done and effective backstory for the kid that you know i mean like it it's lingered on long enough for it to be kind of funny without actually like dragging the story down like the thing that i personally found more like i see what you're going for but i don't think it landed quite as well as zapelli's sacrifice doesn't seem to do anything well (laughs) he just gets cut in half by the chain that's the thing i don't think that is his sacrifice i think he knows he's going to die by that attack and then his sacrifice is he has to die to give jojo his life force i think the manga purposely doesn't tell you that i can't remember if there's a chapter break either because i might be parts in this reading where i get the feeling like plot was written in one week and then the next week someone thing was written to explain something that got looked over in the last chapter (laughs) there are a few times it feels like an editor went like hey this part doesn't make sense oh well hold on uh no it does (laughs) here's why (laughs) yeah because um, I mean, because I mean, like, I, I, I will assert that, uh, especially when looked at it from the lens of satire, I, I, I will assert that JoJo's is objectively well written, but nothing is perfect. And Zapelli's sacrifice doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, maybe there's something to be said about that, uh, you know, that being a trope of like, you know, the Obi-Wan has to sacrifice himself sort of thing, um, which, you know, it wasn't called that at the time. But I mean, like, that like is, not even Obi-Wan. This is like Chinese martial arts movie. This is a huge trope of the master with ancient techniques well, dies against the superior opponent and gives his techniques to his student like that's the modern name for that trope is the Obi-Wan. The, the the great master who dies to pass on the teachings to the student, which already incorporated in like everyone knows it was or- incorporated like in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Because because the because the Obi Wan character archetype is much older than Star Wars. It's just Star Wars because the original Star Wars movie did so many well worn tropes. Well, that's the reason why it's remembered so fondly. Um, you know. It, it got the name attributed to it in, in the modern discourse. But like, you know, there's something to be said about like, maybe it's it's plugging at that idea that you have to kill the wise old mentor so that he can pass on his power to the to the student. But like, yeah, that's how you in, um, further impress upon it. And it grows stronger is obviously, I mean, you know, there has to be a, a, a training arc and there has to be a death of the old of the mentor yeah. of the mentorship. And then you have to have like, I'm going to I'm going to revenge my master. And then I'm, I evolve into something new and even more spectacular. And it's like, whoa, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Ever since Zapelli did his like, frankly, kind of random flashback to, uh, yes, that I was, was foretold to die in this scene. Yeah, that was really random. I. I kind of felt like something in the background had like switched gear into like hyperdrive for the plot of this story because it it feels like suddenly it's just like, oh, we got to get to the end. I feel like conceptually Zapelli's uh, sacrifice doesn't read quite right is sort of what I'm trying to get at. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, even if you want to say that, like, mm, that's part of the satire, it didn't 
quite feel like that because it because JoJo's has done drama in like like earnest drama inside of the satire before and had done it well it felt yeah. like they were trying to make zapelli's death actually tear jerking and it just wasn't like what it seems like the real sacrifice would have been was knowing jojo couldn't beat this opponent on his own and giving his life force to like give him the power to beat him not get cut in half and then somehow stay alive for like literally 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because the fight lasts a long time before uh, Zapelli actually dies. Man has an entire monologue as his lungs are hanging out of him. <laughs> he, he, he dies rather dramatically, but relatively quickly. I'm not ashamed to admit I laughed at his memorial page where they see him <laughs> smiling over the cliff. I mean, some of it is just the audacity of it. I'm, I'm going to be honest, though. I, I'm not sure that's the satire, because I think of the time period, that would have been an appropriate way to, like, show a character death. It's, it's a little too easy sometimes to use either parody or satire as a shield against right criticism. And I don't think Zapelli's death was done right, is sort of yeah. what I'm getting at. I would say that that memorial shoot, I wouldn't even say that was typical of just specifically like um, Japanese culture. Because, I mean, I think of off the top of my head, like 80s and 90s movies. We did that corny crap, no, too. No. Like movies. I'm just saying, I'm just like what? It, it just reminded me uh, One Piece has a really funny scene where um, they are climbing up a cliff. And uh, the character they're climbing on top of it was like literally created specifically to walk them up the cliff. And it's really bad at its job, but it slowly gets them to the top. And when it gets to the top, it fades away because it can only live for a few hours. And everyone like starts crying over this character's death and his face appears on the side. And two of the characters just like, guys, this is stupid. Why? <laughs> it feels like it's trying to play uh, Zapelli's Zapelli's death straight. It's too goofy for that. You know, whereas alternatively, if there was a case where like, you know, you had Paco at the end, like, uh, so who was the guy in the top hat? Like that would have that would have had that same effect as the one piece scene you mentioned. But then I have to remember that Paco exists. I don't want to remember <laughs> Paco exists. <laughs> That's fair. The story barely remembers he exists after he opened the door for them. <laughs> He's, he's he's there in the background to confirm that, yes, this is my town. I have a sister. Do you remember I have a sister? I'm going to mention that at the beginning of every chapter and then never be yeah, thought of again. Because um, Jojo gains Zapelli's power, um, just wipes the floor with Tarok because he now has his like physique on top of years of training of Hamon that he inherited. So he's like top tier. He just breaks steel with his bare hands. No superpowers, by the way. Steel's not a living thing, so I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Zapelli gives his tearful goodbye speech that lasts way too long because he has literally been cut in half. <laughs> um, and they go to um, Poco's town. Uh, there is a little scene where the guy who greets them is just like, yep, no zombies here. You're such a good boy, Poco. We all love you. Nothing bad has happened. Turn your back on me. Aha, I'm actually evil. And Jojo is just like, yeah, I knew you were evil. Also, I'm really cool now. Die and explodes. Just, yeah, just immediately melts the guy. And uh, then then we get introduced to, uh, well, 
Because I have uh, watched the anime past this point, I know one of these characters actually becomes relevant eventually, but uh, it's functionally, at least for this uh, section of reading, three irrelevant characters. They, there are three characters who one of them attacks. He looks like Guile from Street Fighter too. He kind of does. And he um, attacks Jojo and is just like, haha, I have this attack where I shove, I do a split over you, revealing my oh, groin right. directly to your like strike zone. That is pretty disarming, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, Jay, you know, some of us have different interests. And that's incorrect, but okay. <laughs> well, that's the same interest. <laughs> you know, I, I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, and this character then proceeds to go haha i'm not a zombie but if i was you would be dead but good thing i'm not because we're actually friends of zapelli he sent us this letter several weeks ago that informed us he'd be dying on this day unfortunately we arrived too late but uh we also wouldn't have stopped it anyway because we can also see the future or they're with the guru from the flashback. Yeah, they're with the guru who who gave the prediction. I think another reason why Zapelli's uh, death doesn't feel as jokey as the goofiness implies that it should is because the prophecy that's actually given about it is actually not a bad prophecy. It is just the right amount of both literal and vague that it's obvious once you know what it means, but it it's hard to parse up to that his, point. Yeah, his uh, it's pretty clear. His death is played pretty straight here. Like there are there are things Joe Joe's like actually parodies. Zapelli's death is meant to be taken seriously <laughs> anyway. Um, so he Jojo's beats the not zombie um, Guile. I, I actually don't remember his name because uh, his name is Dyer. I only know it because I put it in my notes because I knew I'd forget if I didn't. OK, good to know. That's a totally <laughs> real name that uh, someone would have. Um, <laughs> knowing Jojo's, that's probably the, the dude's birth given first name, but whatever. Um, I mean, like, yes, if you want to be an edgelord, I guess. <laughs> well, his parents were edgelords. That's the problem. But um, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that better or worse than uh, Stryzo? It's straights. The joke is that they are dire straights. This is why you need me on for these episodes. I do, do not drag me away from the top. This is worse. This is more edgelords than Stryzo. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying for these three people to arrive the night of Zapelli dying. Knowing when, that he that approximately when he was going to die, still being late for it. He received this letter weeks ago. Yes, it just is awful. <laughs> just don't but think the, the coincidence of them being exactly there. It's <laughs> how bizarre it is. They they say bizarre a lot in this section. It is everywhere. We beat you over the head with the with the the title. Yes. I, I think <laughs> I think the translation Viz decided to go with loves using bizarre whenever it's uh likely. Uh even remotely possible at a basic level. They don't they don't use any type of synonym, you know, like this is a little unusual, this is a little strange. Bizarre. This is a little bizarre, right? How bizarre? We're, How bizarre? We're, we're trying to make the word bizarre come back. So, I mean, yeah, I guess. Oh, uh, what, what's that? Some kind of market where people can sell handmade goods? How bizarre? That's actually a bizarre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another flyover section, sort of like the uh, the initial nights uh, that uh, Dio raised where 
Uh, they have to clear out the the uh, mook zombies in the town. That uh, the ground is made of human flesh at one point. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't just don't think <sighs> too much about that. Just yes, so, yes. Everything zombies. I'm, yes. I'm just saying. I I think we should be mindful of our own health. I you know high blood pressure is a serious thing. It, like I know Sam's not here, so like we all really need to watch our salt intake. Some of us more than others. Some people who aren't here really need to watch their salt intake. But regardless, I'm just saying before we like eat a lot of cured meats or just participate oh in God, anything no. like severely no. hammy, maybe oh we should God. take a break, get some water, and then yeah, that's, that's a good idea. So that was uh, I, I apologize for how long it had to go for that stupid joke. But uh, you have, this is JoJo's. Um, we couldn't do any less. You're, you're right. So how about everyone take a break? Go get a glass of water. If you're listening to this in your car, please don't get out of a moving vehicle to go get a glass of water. But I'm um, the power of Hamon cannot drive your car in spite of all the other things it can do. I would not be surprised if Hamon could drive a car because an internal yeah. combustion engine counts as a living entity. Yep. Hamon has no boundaries, really. It, it does, but then well, it doesn't. The motor oil moving through the car might actually, because Hamon it's the works power of the sun. Look, we can theory craft when we get back. Let's, let's. Yeah. <laughs> we all need, I think we're all dehydrating. <laughs> Uh, we'll be right back after whatever it is we put in this break. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're all relatively hydrated. Um, I guess we're ready to jump into this. Uh, so, as we left, left, left our heroes, they were assaulted by three characters who we are told matter. Spoiler alert, they don't really. Um, and they are joined with these three sages to go assault Dio's castle. Um, there are some zombie fights in between. They are pretty much just set dressing. Yeah. Uh, we, we do get a couple of scenes of like Dio doing like expressions of cruelty scenes. Uh, you mean my favorite Dio scene? <laughs> there and, and like the thing is, the thing is, they're great scenes. I really like them, but the but from a like narrative perspective, it's not establishing anything we don't already know about Dio. They're just good scenes onto themselves. To uh to summarize my favorite one, basically a woman is begging for the life of her and her or she's begging for the life of her baby. And please take me. And Dios is like, oh, are you sure that you wouldn't want to both be my servants if I just spare the baby's life? I'll take you instead. But are you sure it needs to be your decision? And she's like, you're being real weird about it. But sure. Yeah, if you'll keep my baby alive, I won't kill your baby. Again, the way you're phrasing this is really weird. But <laughs> it sounds really specific. But again, yeah. you're in a complete position of power here. So this isn't really a, like this isn't free will deciding this. <laughs> so you can do whatever you want. This is a really just for your own ego. Oh, is it? E yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wasn't actually listening to you. You're a vampire now. <gasps> that oh, no, was my baby. I, 
I literally was flipping between the pages to like try to figure out how the hell this happened. Because one page she's not a vampire, the next thing she is, and I'm like, what? It, it happens within a panel. You are forgiven. It's uh, she becomes You're- a vampire, shouts my baby, and then my favorite panel is her eating the face off her baby. I was <laughs> like, very graphic. I was not expecting it at this point. Like I, JoJo's at this point had become like cartoonish violence. And and this was It goes uh, in and out where it's like over the top violence, cartoonish little like break, and then back into the carnage. And it really is off-putting every time it like flips back and forth. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't think you could uh, get away with uh, making a manga where you eat a baby's face. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I it's been a while since I've watched Phantom Blood, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't in the anime. How about that? And then Dio laughs because he is a villain and tricked this woman into killing her baby. And it's just like, well, n- no, you you did that is the thing. <laughs> you were directly responsible, but you're, y- you did care. that. He's Dio. He is directly responsible personally. Like, you're, you're not a master manipulator here. <laughs> you. Yeah, I mean, no, he, he's a supervillain. Like, it's subtler in the first part, but this is this is Dio Dioing as hard as he can possibly Dio. Adverb and adjective. <laughs> yes, Dio is all things. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, they fight this one guy with a bag on his head and a hole from which snakes pop out. He decides to sexually assault Poco's sister in a scene that probably didn't need to be there. And it doesn't matter because Poco's sister doesn't even need to exist as a character because they just disappear after this. Yeah, the uh, the main characters show up before uh, before it crosses another line is really how it uh, how it uh, ends up being. And uh, then uh, Poco and his sister are never seen or heard from again for the entire rest of the manga. And they I think he's this, in some. Ba- I think Poco's in the ba- background. I, of shots, I think they might not. even mention Poco in the wrap up, but I, I didn't care. But um, yeah, this zombies thing is he's full of poisonous snakes. And yeah, to the point where is popping out of his eye, if I'm remem- remembering. Yeah, he's, he's got an empty eye socket from which snakes come out, but it doesn't matter. Everyone yells those are super poisonous snakes whose bite can kill a man. And then Jojo takes bites and goes, haha, I have complete control over my blood flow and spits the venom. Jojo And spits the venom out of the wound. As you do. Yeah. You don't need anti-venom. You just need to, you know, be Jojo, I guess. You just have to have main character powers. Yeah. I don't know why it's so hard for everyone else. And despite the fact they built this giant vampire castle, they walk into the front room, they fight this guy, and then they're on the roof to fight <laughs> Dio. Well, they're on the balcony, not the roof, but... Well, they could have been on the roof. There, there, there is strong Castlevania vibes to this. Oh my, yeah, this, this is... This is Castlevania. <laughs> and reveling in it. Are you looking up when Castlevania came out? Because now that we know JoJo's started in 87. Oh my god, 1986. This is literally referencing Castlevania. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that, that that makes sense, honestly. Which is interesting because do manga have time to play games all the way through? I would assume a mangaka would be aware of the video game culture in the 80s just because of how... Like video games in the well, 80s, especially were, in Japan. Yeah, the, those were big business. Uh, 
So you're saying this guy's a nerd. Irigo yes. Rocky? Oh, yes, surely. <laughs> surely. Nerd! Uh, uh, honestly, I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Jojo is about to step up and fight uh, the final boss, but uh, we got to have somebody job for him real quick. So Dyer is his name. I had to look at my notes. Uh, Dyer. <laughs> yes, that is a name. Dyer walks up and uh, uses his ultimate secret technique of getting one shot by the boss to show how powerful the boss is, uh, <laughs> is really yeah. what happens. So he does, he does the exact same thing he did to Jojo, and everyone comments on this going like, oh, that was a secret technique, but now he has his arms crossed, which completely negates the weakness. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. In fact, that actually makes the weakness bigger, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> But that move would have taken out Jojo if he was serious. So it surely must do something. To, oh, no, he got his head cut off. Well, no, he Whip. gets his entire body frozen and then shattered. And the only thing that's left is his head, which yeah, makes in, so much more sense. You're right. That makes sense. What he, the head proceeds to do does not make any sense because it spits a rose out at Dio with Hamon. Which I guess that part makes sense. The, yeah, the, the the rose being infused with Hamon. It's the fact that the head is doing anything after being liberated from the body. Especially spitting. Because it doesn't... There's no lungs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of Hamon. You can breathe without lungs and there's water and there's air underwater. <laughs> also proceeds to talk about... <laughs> yeah, how is he talking with, <laughs> without... Hamon, it's a breathing technique. That's some demon slayer definition of breathing techniques right there. Of like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Except I'm like demon slayer. This is intending to be satire. I mean, this is this is 100 percent like, you know, because like manga will do this sort of nonsense all the time, you know, and the more they're like, there are certain series that just should not explain their power sets and mm -hmm. but do anyway. And you know, this is this is that dialed up to a comedic extreme. Well, the, the, the thing about this whole sequence that I find the most amusing is I have not just a physical copy, but it's Jojo. So I had to be extra. I have the hardcover copies of uh, the, the three volumes of Phantom Blood. And even in that, they they pull a Keikaku means plan because Dio uh, in Dio's speech bubble is muda 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 with a <laughs> with a asterisk by it. Uh, I don't know what the Shodan Jump app has uh, the asterisk next to it that says muda equals useless in Japanese <laughs> I, I <laughs> because Jojo's. I believe the Shonen Jump app specifically says something akin to Muda is the Japanese word for useless. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that it, it's the same in both versions. Yes. Oh. And, then, and then proceeds to not translate whenever Dio does Muda 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 because that's the meme from the anime. And this was translated after the anime came out. Well, that's that's actually the best part. The meme isn't from the anime. The meme is from a fighting game, uh, a, uh. a uh, Stardust Crusaders fighting game, because that actually got released internationally without the uh, without the character voice lines getting translated. So uh, that's why uh, is famous, too. Uh, that was well before even the Phantom Blood anime came out. So that, that was 100 percent leaning into the mimetic nature of Dio as a character. But anyway, uh, the rose hits Dio in the eye and he goes, how dare you sully my beautiful face? 
<laughs> because super villain. And uh, that's when Jojo starts his fight. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it is quite interesting. Uh, the sword comes back up at the very least. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get through this as quickly and painlessly as possible. The big problem that everyone is having with Theo is that because he can flash freeze you if you make contact, uh, you know, if you're if your you know, body is frozen solid, there's no life energy going through it and you can't transfer Hamon from you into the vampire that is Dio. So Jojo, if he's if he has contact with the inanimate sword, he can use if the sword then contacts Dio, he can use it as a conduit. So he's going to use the sword to transfer the Hamo. But then Dio freezes the sword like, like uh, Jojo cuts Dio, but it doesn't do anything because vampires are absurdly durable. We've you know, we've seen the oh, ridiculous. He, he, he cuts Dio in half down, down to the like the waist. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you fool, I can freeze the sword as well. But Jojo knew that uh, that was Dio's plan. So he aimed the sword so that the tip would be heated up by a torch. I and think the implication he could he was still able to move his hands because he'd only thrown the horn. So he was slowly moving the tip. But basically the entire the entire bit here is escalation after escalation after escalation. Oh. One of the the sages who arrives has a side bit where they fight some zombies, but also says something akin to the rose was able to hold Hamon because it was a living thing. This metal, he he kills the zombies with a candelabra and specifically goes because it is made of metal, it cannot hold Hamon. And then Jojo proceeds to still use Hamon through the sword. Well, uh I can explain this because this one actually does follow its own internal rules, shockingly. Uh, Basically, the reason why the difference between the rose and the sword is if it's an inanimate object you're transferring Hamon through, uh, you have to be touching the object and the object has to be touching the target because the rose was a living thing. Dire had to look at my notes again. Uh, Dyer was able to transfer the last of his Hamon into the rose and then throw the rose and the rose could retain the hamon through the air and hit Dio. Gotcha. So well, that's also that's also like, you know, relative to the stuff of like the positioning of the sword matters because mm-hmm. Jojo can't let go of it or the hamon transfer will stop. And then Dio's body will crush the steel like. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. And, it's weird. They have that explanation that does not affect the situation at hand. But OK, <laughs> well, and the 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 thing that comes up is it means that Jojo has to be within arm's length of Dio, uh, which like Dio's counterattack before he realizes that the sword is being heated up with the torch. He's able to get a hit on Jojo. Uh, and when uh, he learns that the torch is uh, heating up the blade so that he can't use his flash freeze trick, uh, he then breaks the blade so that Jojo can't use it anymore. Is is this the scene or maybe it was a little earlier where my favorite bit of like um, retroactive editing happens where Dio goes, um, I did hold some. We grew up together, Jojo, so I did not want to kill you myself. You are the only man I respected. That's why I ran away and had those two knights kill you in my stead. Not because I was doing the villain thing of not seeing you die myself. You're uh, a little bit you're a little bit conflating two different scenes because um, basically the the and he even says that in the moment, which I mean, it is the villain thing to do this, you know, despite what Dio is saying. He's saying that fighting for himself is beneath him. 
um uh the uh the i you know we grew up together and i respect you thing comes a bit later um but uh there is a bit of uh it was actually tactically intelligent to run away when it actually just wasn't yeah he does do that here because villain that that was the like second scene i read i'm like that sounds like someone covering up their mistakes that uh that sounds like something he would have said in the moment if that's what he meant he what he did say was i'm too busy for this i'm going to go make more zombies there's a subtlety in phrasing like i mentioned last time he's the perfect supervillain. that doesn't mean he's the perfect villain that doesn't mean he's flawless he is perfect at being the stupid supervillain that pulls crap like this and that's what that's what makes him so entertaining because that that that's such an obvious uh it was really strategy all along yep but regardless uh dio is not having this plan he breaks the sword luck and pluck which is weird i don't know why renaming the sword would make it both names and it also doesn't mean anything <laughs> It, I don't understand why he put a P there. <laughs> Regardless, the way he wrote the P looked like a D, so I thought he was calling it Duck. <laughs> Honestly, that might have made more sense. But, it could be anything. It could even be a duck. Oh, no. <laughs> but you see, ducks are alive, and therefore they can transfer hormone energy. That must be what? it. I want to see that so bad. I feel like it goes super excellently or super awfully, and I want to see both. <laughs> my, my sword is a duck. Jojo, why have you duct taped ducks to your hands? Because you have frozen everything else, Dio, but ducks cannot freeze. Because yes. Jo- Jojo, that's literally stupid. Shut up. <laughs> Yet it's working somehow. You went to college for eight years. Yeah, but not be a doctor. uh uh, but yeah after all of this uh we get the uh the final blow uh jojo lights his hands on fire because uh you can't light my or you can't flash freeze my hands if they're on fire there's strong denji energy in that and i can appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no you know jojo's is not above criticism and you know we've mentioned that the zapelli bit was a part where the the series faltered but like it you, you can usually tell when it's trying to be serious and when it's trying to be silly and this final you know this final like throw of the punch and you know jojo's putting everything he has into it and dio is trying to cool down his hand you know below ignition point and he breaks through and uh punches dio clean off of the edge of the balcony it's a it's honestly a pretty epic moment you know it 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 plays it straight and i feel that it pulls it off and literally nothing could ruin it no amount of stupid ass pull powers that come (laughs) out of nowhere (laughs) by the way dio has eye goop lasers he just does that uh i thought they were going to do something cool. Like he shot his brain out into like a different hidden body because that would have made sense at least like shooting it. But no, it was literally just, I've had eye lasers this entire time. (laughs) And he shoots eye lasers. There is also, there is also a, 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 another bit where, um, you know, Jojo steps to the edge of the balcony and he can't see uh, Dio falling because they're up super high because Castlevania reference, I guess. He sheds a few tears for Dio because 
despite everything, they did grow up together. And I, I think it's a, a strong moment of characterization for Jojo. Uh, again, you know, for all the for all the goofy, for all the uh, satire, you know, there there are cases where it takes itself seriously and it lands. And I appreciate Jonathan a lot for that as a character that he is able to shed tears for someone as awful as Dio. I, yeah, I, I was kind of on the fence about that because I'm like they uh, them growing up together. They make a huge case of the fact that they deeply hated each other and that any camaraderie they had was an act. Yeah, like. but they but they still but they still grew up together and like you know i mean jojo sheds a few tears over it and he's over it you know you know it was something that we kind of talked about last time with this idea it, that that jojo's presents that like there are awful people out there but don't let that make you think everyone is awful and to some extent sort of what i feel uh jojo is shedding tears over is like the idea of what dio could have been if it wasn't all fake like that's Probably. sort of the way that's sort of the way I read it. And that to me is such a noble sentiment. And I appreciate him for that. I, I liked the noble sentiment of his father. I, I think this part goes a little cl- too close to um oh, what's the naivete. Yeah, it's like the Tanjiro, um, his inner spirits leading that guy to his hardcore. Like, mm. OK, there's two shoes and then there's whatever this nonsense is like. I, I understand where you're coming from, Jacob, and I, I can get that interpretation of it, too. For me, it's just like, yeah, you spent time making it the case that this is literally the exception to that. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Jojo's, yeah. A good, Jojo's a good boy. They even have Zappelli. Uh, not Zappelli. He's wearing the hat uh, now, so it confuses me. Um, <laughs> it's Speedwagon. Speedwagon just stole a dead man's hat and like, this is my look now. I love that the, nobody acknowledges the fact that Speedwagon took the hat. I used to have a hat man. when I first showed up. Now I've got a new hat. <laughs> but yeah, and Zapalis is like, ah, uh-uh, I can see he's crying because they grew up as brothers. I wouldn't cry, though. In fact, I'd smile. Ha ha. And I'm like, mm, this is 80s anime right there. <laughs> With that, uh, Dio is totally dead. It's a good thing he's not going to he's he's never going to show up again. Yep. Wrap it up, boys. We're done here. Until we see the cutscene from Dio's perspective where he's just like, the hormone is crawling up my body. Better cut off my own head. Now I'm like, cool. That- <laughs> <laughs> Dio, everybody. Dio is dealing beautifully. <laughs> Extremely Dio. <laughs> uh, just just wait until we get to stands. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we, we we get a we get basically about a chapter's worth of wrap up that, um, you know, I, I say I don't know something about this, but like um, it it's very exposition, but I don't know, I kind of enjoyed it. It 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 had this sense of wrapping up everything in a nice little bow, even though I having, you know, watched the anime way further than this. This is not over, <laughs> even without Dio. Cutting I, his own head off and crap. I would have appreciated the epilogue a bit more if it didn't have a second Dio fight. <laughs> I feel like the pacing for the epilogue was like, let's move along, move along, move along, story, 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 and then boat. <laughs> like, yeah. Because essentially what happens is um, we get we get journal entries that I thought were hilarious because they're essentially like, 
the cops are investigating these weird individuals who are at the scene of a bunch of murders, and then they just dipped. There's newspaper, there are newspaper headlines because they talk about like the police are investigating a bunch of mysterious disappearances. There were some people seen at the crime scene, but we have no clues. A third one is that Jonathan Joestar gets engaged to Arina, the girl from the first arc who does not show up in the second part at all. Nope. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) She, she, she got, she got sidelined pretty hard. But uh, she is remembered. Yeah, she remains important, and everyone saw this engagement coming from 100 miles away, because yes. E- even even poor Speedwagon had to acknowledge that, uh, well, whilst his, his heart belongs to uh, Jojo, Jojo's heart belongs to Arena. Sad, sad. People ship it. I know they do. <laughs> I think this podcast shipped it last time. <laughs> So unfortunately, Speedwagon is a little late to lead uh, to see them off on their honeymoon because uh, he accidentally runs into a group of criminals taking a sketchy vampire coffin onto the ship. (laughs) A coffin that locks from the inside. Multiple people note this. It it, it doesn't matter because the outside is literally like crosses and like buckle. Like it could only be a vampire coffin. (laughs) I mean, some people just have all the luck. Never have anything interesting like this happen to me. That's an interesting way of describing it. Like, and Speedwagon runs into these people and proceeds to think nothing of it. It's a good thing bizarre things haven't happened to me since I've met uh, Mr. Joe Star. We got to make this happen, Jacob. <laughs> make bizarre happen. Uh, but anyway, um, that gets loaded on the ship. They are having, I, I believe they're having dinner or it might be like the like breaking away from shore celebration because yeah, i think i think it's a it's a dinner party for the first night on the yeah. on the sea and um it's jojo and arena and um they make they're, a big, they're off to their honeymoon yeah and they make a big deal of the fact that uh jojo has a bottle of wine and uh, he has a glass of wine because he is a gentleman who only drinks one glass. And he's just like, Arana, take a sip of my wine. And she makes a big deal of like, oh, no, alcohol. I've never partaken of such a thing. He's just like, well, a simple sip won't hurt you. He's like, and then as if this was an 80s PSA on the dangers of drinking, the <laughs> second Arana takes a sip of this alcohol, Jojo looks over the corner and notices the Chinese guy. Who, <laughs> like, was the people they fought in... Um, Speedwagon section. Yes. And that was just bizarre to me because I'm like, they're Europeans. They're familiar with wine. Plus, they had a, I'm pretty sure, a pretty elaborate wedding. And you're telling me there was no wine or champagne. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It does not make sense why she makes such a big deal of it. And And why apparently he was not aware of this. And she takes one sip of wine. Actually, you know, I know why it's a big deal that she says I've only ever had one sip of wine, but we'll come back to that nonsense later. Um, (laughs) The second she does that one sip of wine um, is when everything on the boat starts to fall apart. The the nice, late, happy, happily ever after moment is dialed up to 11. And then it turns out the uh, Orientalist trope is uh, is on the boat, too. So, uh Jojo tells Arena to go back to their cabin and he's going to go investigate this. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, of course, Dio is he's in a jar now. Uh, 
He's travel yeah. size. There's a big deal of like a drunk priest drops a rosary and then goes to investigate the coffin. And then he's, he's been instructed to convert more heathens. It, it, it literally does not matter because this dude is dead. He just within gets, seconds. Yeah. He, he's turned into a zombie and then proceeds to help zomb- zombify the rest of the boat. And it, it even doesn't matter because Jojo breaks into the scene, basically like uh, it, it happens. Um, and yeah, Dio's head is in a jar. Uh, he, uh, this is, this is the part where we get Dio. Ah, yes, you earnestly defeated me. Therefore, I actually respect you now. You're the only person I respect, and I'm going to show that respect by cutting off your head and grafting my head to your body. I claimed it as my body is how I'm thinking of it. <laughs> Ooh, a sexy, sexy body. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, Dio, is this the ship? <laughs> this is our ship. This is... It's on a ship, yes. It is on a, it's a ship on a ship on a ship. Ships all the way down. This is too meta even for me and JoJo, so I'm confused. So, regardless, Dio shoots his eye lasers because he's like, I honor you, JoJo, and I will give you a painless death, and JoJo blocks the eye laser. They're not eye lasers, right? He has, like, these weird things in his pupils that shoot liquid out, like he's some kind of, like... Yeah, and then they, like, they pan over to the fact that they show his pupils, and it's, like, I don't know, you know that little opening on, like, um, fast food, like, beverage containers? Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It it Uh, makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense, but that's the first thing I thought of, and I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) But, it rips uh, through his cornea or whatever. It doesn't matter because despite the fact it's like shooting liquid out, they do not differentiate from eye lasers at any point. Yeah, uh, they're 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 just eye lasers. The fact that they're eye goop lasers doesn't mean anything or change anything. Uh, Jojo blocks the eye lasers, and then Dio doesn't do eye lasers again because I I guess he must only have the one. Uh, he only has the one for this scene. The Chinese man who I wish I remembered the name of, but the manga also didn't really Did they care. Even give him a name. Uh, I don't probably. think they give him a name. Considering how they treat him, probably not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jojo apparently stopped training Hamon um, in between the time because he he seems very out of practice or something because he barely beats this guy um and actually well, like, he did also get he did also get shot in the neck so he's having trouble breathing uh, right 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 right. but he he overexerts himself I, I guess it's because of what he ends up having done but it's portrayed to the audience he just punched the guy too hard and that broke like his hamon muscle in him somewhere <laughs> you know the hamon muscle he's like i felt something snap inside me i don't think i'll be able to use hamon ever again and i'm like Okay, are you setting up like he's going to have to teach someone else in part? Because I I don't know part two, so I was trying to figure out. I knew part two happened, so I'm like, how is this going to connect? Is like he going to be like an old master? And then it proceeds like two pages later, literally tells me what a stupid idiot I was for even thinking that. But (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, as someone who knew where this was going and what it will ultimately lead to. Erida uh, runs into the scene. Is now in the storage container of the ship, I g- guess. Yep, sure. She, follow- she followed Jojo. It's not. It's not that odd that she was able to find Makes a place, sense. but like, it's still. It's Erida's it, got to be in the scene for it to be all dramatic because uh, the Orient, uh, the Orientalist trope is dead. Uh, he's, uh, but Jojo used his Amon to make it, to puppeteer his body to stop the drive shaft 
shaft of the steamship's uh, propeller, which will cause the uh, steam engine to explode, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hone can now control the bodies of people you kill. Yeah. Sure. Because, uh, <laughs> yep. That's a terrifying power, but okay. Maybe that's how he broke his Hamon muscle. <laughs> yes. Dio still wants to steal JoJo's body, so he, he I think, creates tentacles with his veins out of his neck. Dump. He, he Makes does sense. something. Yes. He, uh, I, I, can only, I can only say that it either has something to do with the magical goop that came out of his eyes. Maybe that's you know what his head runs yeah. on now or yeah, and, and he tr- he tries to take over he, he ends body. he he gets uh rebuffed can't do it and is just like well that's fine good thing i have my super special coffin that is very luxurious and in a case could fit two human beings and also locks from the inside and need i say more I also know, just so happens, if you put 10 barrels of TNT, it would survive that explosion. So I'll be totally cool the second I get in that coffin. JoJo's just like, hey, Aaron, I get in that coffin. Also, free baby. Take that baby. That's your baby now. (laughs) This is my baby now. There is literally just a baby whose mom just got killed. And he's like, I feel bad for that baby because I also lost my mother at a young age. I'm like... Jojo, it's it's cool just to feel bad for a baby. You don't need an explanation there, buddy. <laughs> you have the opportunity. You have the you have the opportunity to save a baby who would otherwise be doomed. No one else noticed this baby until right now. <laughs> Jojo's just like, Erina, take the baby, free baby. I mean, do you want to put this in a 19th century like foster or orphanage system? Those things are well, hell. Well, <laughs> the, the the ship is also going to explode. That that yeah. also is its own kind of hell. Uh, and uh, you always wanted to have a baby with me. And this is the closest we're ever going to get. Uh, wink, Jonathan, wink. I've been meaning to tell you no time to talk about that. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Sail away in the in the special coffin. Yes. Uh, and then the uh, ship explodes, finally putting an end to Dio's evil schemes forevermore my favorite part is right before the ship explodes <laughs> jonathan is just holding dio like cradling his head in his arms and just being like no we die together like brothers and dio's just like you're really sappy but i guess this is a cool way to go nope you're already dead <laughs> well well because dio was trying to <clears throat> reason with jojo i could make you invincible <laughs> We we would be invincible together. Uh, uh, your power and my mind with an immortal body. And oh, he has been dead for the last five minutes. God damn it. OK, I guess the ship's exploding now. <laughs> Good thing the coffin floats because uh, Dio never needed air. So it's weird that he would account to have a enough oxygen in there but you know <laughs> good thing <laughs> as you do uh, and the story ends with a little bit of a caveat that um Erina reveals that along with this cool baby she just found on the ground um she was also pregnant with jojo's child and hadn't told him yet yet uh Erina heading off to to america uh being picked up off of the canary islands and uh we get in big bold uh of course, maximally dramatic letters that history might not remember Jonathan Joestar, but his family all, uh, will be told of his great deeds. End of part one. And uh, that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Phantom Blood.
Woo. <laughs> so, um, I guess we can uh, start doing our discussion. Uh, as with all shonens, we'll do the very easy question that we have lined up for this. Favorite character, favorite fight? Uh, Jacob, how about you start us off? So, um, favorite character, uh, I will say, I feel like uh, whilst... I, like, I don't think that Dio went downhill or anything in this section, but I feel like Dio was um, more entertaining because how how extra he was relative to the more grounded earlier sections. Um, it, it created a kind of contrast that made it impossible to look away from Dio. I don't know, to, to some extent. And it's like, you know, as Matt mentioned, there's a... There's a less charitable reading of the the perspective that I had on JoJo's that's totally valid, but selecting the read that is both valid and more entertaining for me, I really liked JoJo in this section. Sort of the way I read him is that he's not going to give Dio another chance, but he's sad that it's come to this all the same. And there's a there's a kindness in that that I aspire to that I think is um, something that is just a good thing for the world in general. And, you know, as much as Araki had his, you know, misgivings about how uh, he he felt that it was hard to write the perfect Paragon, I think he did a really good job of it. Um, you know, Jojo, Jojo never pulled his punches against Dio. He knew that Dio was never going to change his ways and he needed to be brought down and he didn't hesitate even once. Uh, but he still felt bad about it. Um, he He still understood that he was, you know, killing someone he grew up with and, wasn't happy about it. So I really like Jojo in this section. Uh, as for favorite fight, there are a bunch of small fights, but the two big fights are, or the the three big fights, I should say, are the fight with Tarkus, the fight with the Dark Knight Bluford, and the uh, battle with Dio on the balcony. I love the the bones of the fight with the Dark Knight Bluford. I think it's a very well-constructed fight. The, the pacing, the ebb and flow is great. But because it is so neck deep in the, the wacky satire over explaining the power set nonsense, as much as I, I enjoy it for the craft inherent, it's not what I would call my favorite. The fight with Dio, on the other hand, because they've already explained all the powers involved up to that point, you can just acknowledge that Dio has ice powers, not think about it any more deeply because the manga isn't trying to explain it to you. And the thing I really love about that fight is actually it has a very similar vibe to the battle between Goku and Frieza, where it's so it's so long and it's so desperate and it very intentionally drags the main, the the protagonist and the villain to their limit. Um, you know, like I personally didn't feel like it dragged from an audience perspective, but like it, it it's a fight that for the characters just drags on. And it's like, when is this going to end? When when is one of them going to run out of tricks? You know, and uh, I really I, I it sucked me in, in all honesty. I'm not going to lie. I've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, maybe maybe some of the satire aspects work better in the uh, anime than they do in the manga by virtue of it being in motion. Uh, man, I got to say, I really, really like the fight between Jojo and uh, the final fight between Joe. Well, not the final final, the the big the big boss battle between Jojo and Dio, oh. just because it it has such a it, 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 it has such a punch to it. OK, cool. Uh, Jay. How about you? Favorite character, favorite fight? So unfortunately, I have to echo a lot of um, Jacob's <laughs> Jacob points. Um, so definitely favorite character. I obviously have to say, however, my favorite character would have to be Dio. Because he's just so He's Dio. Over. He's Dio. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, again, favorite character does not have to necessarily be the protagonist. He's just my favorite because he's so outlandish. It doesn't have to be the goodest character. <laughs> yeah. I think I've said the antagonist for my favorite character in these things like more often more than More often not. than the heroes, yeah. <laughs> the audacity. Dio brings the audacity and I'm just like, yep. Dio is Dioing Diofully. Um, favorite fight. Um, again, the big fight that are reading the uh, JoJo and Dio. Because it is Dioing Diofully. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you enjoyed the same fight, but for a very different reason. <laughs> yes. This is the last time that we will see Dio. Of course not. That's <laughs> Jacob tolerated. Jay was just there going like, yes, this is clearly the meat and blood. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, there is something to be said about the skill and craft of Hirohiko Araki that those are two perfectly valid perspectives to uh, look at the story from. But uh, what about you, Matt? Just to be a little... Actually, no, favorite character is the woman who ate her own baby. That was... <laughs> Takeaway. Um, no. <laughs> no, uh, and then my favorite fight was that woman versus her baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is the JoJo's answer, to be fair. <laughs> no, um, let's see. Favorite character in this section... I really liked the flashbacks with Zapelli. I thought he had a lot of fun bits. I I think his death was dumb, and I think the flashbacks coming out of nowhere were dumb, but I think that really put me on the road to be like, no, a lot of things are going to be dumb. Just accept it at this point. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, we, have, we can just put the foot on the gas. And Zapelli was just like, yes, I am going to die. I'm going to give uh, Jojo a lot of power. He frankly does not deserve. <laughs> and he will just be a god for the rest of this. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that kind of speeds in. Uh, and then my favorite fight. Uh, I actually uh, preferred the second Jojo and Dio fight of our <laughs> reading because I felt like it was a little punchier. Uh, Dio was a head in a jar for most of it. <laughs> it involves him explaining his escape plan that Jojo then says for someone else to take his escape plan. <laughs> And then they die together. <laughs> and it ends with Erina going, by the way, I was pregnant with JoJo's baby. BT doves, guys. It, it, <laughs> it, because it was so short and punchy, made it even more ridiculous and really what I loved. It's either that or the uh, Dark Knight Blueford is my second favorite. They're both really close for... Uh, Pretty similar reasons, honestly. So I guess our second question we got here is um, there was a bit of a tone shift between last time and this time where um, it seems like the bizarre meter. The second they went through that tunnel with Jack the Ripper, it's like the bizarre meter just got slammed down. You have a period piece up to a certain point and then Dio gets the vampire mask and it's like it's supernatural and it's really weird, but it almost feels like it still has a foot in the door of being something comprehensible. Yeah, I vividly remember when the biggest complaint I had about the series was Dio walking up a up wall, wall. But yeah. kicking into it. And I'm like, that wouldn't support his. W- Is this house made out of like three foot thick concrete? And it didn't matter. No, nothing matters compared. <laughs> that was relatively scientifically accurate compared to what he does later. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, like, uh, uh, there is this sort of like sense of escalation because it's like you have the period piece and then you have it getting a little supernatural and then you get the mansion fight, which is kind of crazy, but still at least pretending it's grounded. Then they go through the tunnel. But I do like 
there is something about like after the Jack the Ripper fight, the Jack the Ripper fight feels more normal than our current than the reading section we just did. And he flexed his muscles to fire knives that he had buried in his muscle groups. That feels more sane than what we read. Jack the Ripper hid inside a horse that was moving. <laughs> and you know what? I think I liked that better because they didn't try and find a scientific explanation for how he <laughs> the horse's movement. It was just magic. It didn't tell me the horse was secretly a plant. <laughs> Jojo's is uh, satire, and it also will sometimes, you know, either take itself seriously or even if it's being silly, like something like with Jack the Ripper and the horse, it shows that it shows that you can do the tropes it's making jokes about, right? Maybe it's maybe it's just my experience from the anime. But one thing that I've always said is that, like, um, even if you don't think that you'd like JoJo's, you should at least try out Phantom Blood because it at least has some semblance of sanity to it. Um, the next part, Battle Tendency, is really off the rails. And then part three is just an entirely different story wholesale but in all honesty having read the manga especially with some of the uh, really good points that uh matt made about how it's like i knew what the jokes were from you know seeing it in motion it, it's kind of made me reevaluate how i see phantom blood as the almost kind of a little bit normal one because jojo's turns into jojo's really fast I, I mean, if you're you're saying Phantom Blood is a uh, is like the more serious JoJo's, it doesn't even really survive the like childhood arc. It gets to the fight with Dio in the mansion, and that could conceivably be taken seriously. And it, the 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 coolest and most serious it gets is Dio saying his lines about pieces of bread, and then it goes full ham. At the very least, it, to some extent, I kind of want to rewatch Phantom Blood now to a little bit because uh, you know I I. I remember I experienced it first in anime form and maybe I just wasn't paying that close attention, but the level of am kind of shocked me. Yeah. Yeah. Jojo's is uh, definitely not kosher. Um, <laughs> Jay, you got any, uh, you got any opinions about how bizarre this adventure has become? I mean, I can't really add anything more than what I've already said, guys, like literally it's in any type of format, whether I'm watching it or I'm reading it, I come away with the same sentiment. What the crap did I just read <laughs> or watch? Well, okay, fair. I guess. And that's as good of a transition as any into the question we always ask at the end of these. And uh, let's start with you, Jay. Would you continue reading into part two of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? I already have, as we all know. <laughs> Muzzle top. Okay. Uh, Jacob, same question. Uh, yeah, so I have some pretty strong opinions about the direction, my knowledge from the anime when it comes to both Battle Tendency and uh, Stardust Crusaders. But because of the stuff that uh, we've, you know, discussed over the course of this podcast. I'm honestly all the more jazzed to uh, uh, read more of JoJo's, especially in this context where, you know, I'm reading it seriously and we're going to discuss it uh, on the podcast because um, it, it's JoJo's. Like, you both expect everything from it and nothing from it, and it always manages to surprise you. And um, not even necessarily in the sense that, like, this is the best thing I've ever read because... I kind of started to see some flaws I didn't notice before, but it kind of makes me want to read it more just because of how insane it is. So and uh, finally, Matt here. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's obvious from how I've been talking about it. 
the fact that I considered the final fight to be my favorite. I am digging the direction it goes in. Um, I'm going to be honest. I got a little bored during the um, uh, the Dark Knight, Blueford and uh, Tarkus arcs, not because there was anything really wrong with either, but I felt like the pacing in those two was really slow compared to what I'd been expecting. It's and they, very it, it's very hard battle anime pace. It, it felt like those two fights were it trying to be a serious battle anime for a bit and then realizing they didn't want to do that and then went step on the gas Dio fight of nonsense. I can appreciate that because if I, I, I like hard power systems, uh, Jojo's is not good at that it's uh, not yeah it, it, it's not built for it and it's not a rocky strength yeah so i i'm excited to go even crazier even more bizarre i'm sure stands will be fun i don't think those are the next part though so uh uh they are not the next part uh knowing what i know in my uh opinions about battle tendency you are either going to absolutely freaking love battle tendency or uh it it's going to lose you very fast I think the former, but <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And with that, we'll uh, bring this uh, episode to a merciful close. <laughs> As always, uh, we are the Overmongcast. If you uh, enjoyed listening to us, uh, we always appreciate reviews. You can uh, do so on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. You can also reach out to us personally uh, at Overmongcast on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. Basically, uh, we love hearing from you. Send us a message. Uh, you can also email us over at gmail.com. Uh, give us uh, some suggestions on uh, other stuff we can read. Uh, we always uh, like uh, weaving those in when we can. We're short of Sam here. So our normal uh, our normal back and forth is a little disturbed. Uh, Jay, you want to let the people know what we're reading next week? We'll be reading Platinum End. This is our second revisit and it'll be chapters 15 to 27. Bound to be a good one. I'm uh, quivering with, we'll, we'll call it anticipation instead of fear. <laughs> Can it be both? Anticipated fear? <laughs> Guys, I, I hope Cancer Dad doesn't die, but also he's probably going to die. <laughs> uh, well, you'll have to tune in next week to find out, folks. Or, you know, just read Platinum End. I'd, I'd recommend reading it. Read it. It's beautiful. <laughs> See you all next week, folks. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good uh, oh, guys, did did we remember to unlock the door that Sam was? Oh, no. No, we don't. No, oh, we don't wait, need to. Oh, uh, uh, cut off the recording. I got the, uh, Hang on. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> got to get the hose. <laughs> <laughs>